The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. If your student is going to live on campus, they will need twin extra long sheets. The first thing people get wrong. The first thing people get freaked out about. The majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years. Is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Twin XL. Now here's your hosts, Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. Hey, how are we doing? It's October. <laughs> That's when we're recording this, the first week of October, but this will come out like later. Later sometime. Uh, so hello, future people. <laughs> hello, people of the future. Uh, so you're, uh, it's that time of year when your kids are about to come home for Thanksgiving, and uh, you may hear from them that they want to change their major. And uh, having had this experience of seeing the aftermath of that conversation, we thought it might be a really good idea to talk about it. Uh, I had a student one time who in her senior year of college decided to tell her parents that she did not want to go to medical school. And that was always the trajectory and that she wanted to go into education, which is a lovely field being an educator. I feel pretty strongly about that. I mean, we may be biased, yeah, but (laughs) You would have thought that she wanted to write, you know, cut off her right arm the way her parents (laughs) responded. And um, we want to work with you on that idea of don't respond that way um, because uh, changing majors happens. And uh, but you do need to know how to handle it. So we have actually brought in an expert. Hooray. Hooray. Do we have expert music? <laughs> hey. There you go. Yay. Hey, we have brought in Miss Lynn Zlotkowski, who is a huge Buffalo Bills fan, and Dave's <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> and, I'm more upset about it. Uh, uh, I'm more upset about it. No and one's happy about. No this. one's upset. No one's happy about it. Uh, and Lynn has a, a strong background in uh, student advising and working with students. So, hi, Lynn. Hello, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. great. Thank you for being here via the uh, magic of the internet. So uh, yeah. Lynn is joining us from her uh, office up in New Hampshire. Lynn, why don't you tell the, the audience all about yourself? Yeah, uh, so I am the director of the Wolak Learning Center at Southern New Hampshire University. Uh, you may have heard of us uh, via our many advertisements on television, radio, podcasts, buses, uh, park benches, <laughs> things like that. I see them during um, Jeopardy. You see yeah. Them. <laughs> um, the, the Learning Center at Southern New Hampshire, uh, we work with just the students on campus. We provide all of the tutoring, academic coaching, uh, bridge program, proactive academic support. Um, but yeah, over the course of, you know, 20 years in higher ed, I've worked in like a million different departments, uh, including kind of the, the biggest parts of it have usually been, um, academic support and academic advising. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's just jump off the edge of the pier here. uh, Do it. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, you know, so a lot of times kids go off to college and you've seen kids in, uh, in the phase of undeclared. 
mm-hmm. um, not having a major. And you've also seen and, and struggling in that regard. And you've also seen students who thought they were coming in and uh, knew exactly what they wanted. Um, and then they take that first test. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, like I knew I wanted to go into biology. I yep. want to be a marine biologist. Yeah. And you take your first biology exam and you tank it. And yep. that puts things into a whole new perspective. Um, yeah. Talk to me about uh, or talk to all of us about that idea of the student who is both undeclared and struggling to find a major and mm. finding that fit likes the institution the major things an issue and then also talk to us about the kid who thought they knew what they wanted and now has had <laughs> hit their first academic roadblock um, yeah and working with parents on how to coach their kid through this definitely I actually prefer students who are undeclared if I can be honest um and one of uh one institution fused people <laughs> yeah <laughs> I prefer people who are a blank canvas yeah. and just want to be painted yeah. and want to have experiences and let their experiences in the classroom and talking with people on campus and talking with faculty um really guide what they decide to major in um rather than students who you know, come in with one idea and then that's kind of, it really throws them for a loop when, when anything gets in the way of that one idea. Um, so it's interesting because there's a lot of students who, when they come in undeclared, students see that as a, or not students, institutions see that as maybe a red flag. Like, ooh, they're, they're not quite sure what they want to do. And the argument that I make and that a lot of folks in advising make is, who knows exactly what they want to do for the rest of their life when they're 17 years old and when they're 18 years old. I want to do for the rest of my life at 52. I I mean, when I was 17 years old and going to college, this is my favorite story to tell. I wanted to be a DJ and (laughs) I was just set on that. I feel like you would be a great DJ. DJ. (laughs) Yeah. I would have been a great DJ. (laughs) Um, Always tomorrow. (laughs) But but what I discovered, and this is a really important thing for parents to keep in mind, my parents were just like, whatever, like, just go. We we don't care what you major in. Um, And I worked with my advisor and I took my intro classes and throughout my first year, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a DJ. I worked for the college radio station. I did the whole thing. And my advisor got me an internship at a radio station in Buffalo for the summer after my first year. And that was when I discovered that I really just wanted free concert tickets and free CDs. (laughs) I did not want to be sitting there making playlists, recording and producing commercials, answering phone, like the front desk phones. Like (laughs) I I didn't want, I just wanted, I mean, not that CDs are a thing anymore, but I just wanted free concert tickets and CDs. That was it. We need to have you on Dave's show. This is so real right now. now. Okay. So, you know, and then I went back to school for my second year and I talked to my advisor and I said, yeah, it turns out I don't want to be a DJ. My mom really wants me to be an accountant. <laughs> and because um, my mom is an accountant and she saw that as very steady work, right? Like I could yeah. I could get a government job like she had and then have a pension and lifetime health insurance. Don't get me started on that. But like she wanted me to follow a really safe path after the whole DJ thing didn't work out. And I took one accounting class and I'm, this is not an exaggeration when I say that I called her every night crying because I, 
I'm, that's just not me. And it felt uncomfortable and I didn't like the class and I didn't like the work and I didn't like that. I didn't like using that part of my brain. I'm not a quantitative reasoning person. I'm a, I'm a person person. Um, so if you have a kid who can't make up their mind, okay. And you've got somebody who is bouncing around and because we've seen this too, where a student comes home and now they're every other day because they take an intro to psych class. Oh, now I want to be Freud. Then they take an intro to musical theory class and now they want to (laughs) be, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, they want all these things. When you've got someone bouncing around like that from a parenting standpoint and also now you've, now you're talking about money and you're talking about time. Yeah. What are the things that we could be telling parents to do to kind of, you know, contain that enthusiasm without yeah. <laughs> bringing them down to make them say like, okay, mom, dad, you're a total buzzkill. Yeah. Um, you know, when I've talked with undecided students, I make a little Venn diagram for them and I say, okay, what do you, what are you interested in? What are you okay. passionate about? All right. So there's the one thing. What are you good at? Because I actually find math fascinating I'm no good at it. Right. Like it's, again, it's just not how I think. And then what can I get paid to do? Mm. So you need to find something that's in the middle of all three of those things. So if I'm, I'm taking an intro music theory class and decide that I want to be the next, next Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I'm tone deaf, we got a problem. Yes. Right. Mm. So it's talking with your kid about like, man, it's, it's great that I'm seeing you be so passionate about the classes you're taking. That's, that's awesome. What do you feel like you're really good at? Like which classes are you taking that you love that you're getting A's and B's in, or mm-hmm. they feel like they're coming easy to you. Mm-hmm. And is there actually kind of a market for that? Right. Um, so that's, I mean, I would encourage parents to a, make sure that they're, if they have an undecided um, kid, that they are really working closely with their academic advisor, whether it's a faculty member or, or a personal advisor. Um, because as an advisor, anytime I was an advisor for undeclared students, that first year, I was making sure that any classes they took, whether they majored in it or not, it would end up counting for something, mm. right? It would count for a gen ed requirement. It would count for a, maybe a minor if they decided to go in the minor. Like I would in that first year really make sure that everything that they were trying out um, would count towards graduation Yep. because I've never in my life wanted students to take longer than they needed to take for graduating from college. And I don't think you can find a single academic advisor out there who wants that. Right. All so right. really working with the kid, like where's the passion, where's the talent and is it a job? That's great. Or can you, yeah. So, and I would also, <laughs> oh no, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm going to say we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back from the break, I want us to focus on the kid mm who is failing they know what they want to do and they know what they want to do and they're struggling at it. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Definitely. we're going to take a quick break and come right back into that with Lynn Zlatkowski. Twin XL is supported by Sunstein, Kahn, Murphy and Timbers, a boutique law firm specializing in intellectual property. Sunstein's attorneys are passionate representatives of their clients, ideas, technologies, and brands. And Sunstein's broad range of expertise in the intellectual property field including patent and trademark litigation, sets it apart from the competition. Visit Sunstein at sunsteinlaw.com. That's S-U-N-S-T-E-I-N law.com. Contact Sunstein to see how your intellectual property can be winning intellectual property. 
Okay, welcome back. We are here with Lynn Zlotkowski uh, talking about students who are maybe not sure what they want to major in or might want to change their major and how parents can support them as they are making those decisions. Um, I did want to just throw out one statistic about this issue um, from actually the U.S. Department of Education um, from their uh, a newsletter they put out called Data Point. That's a fun title. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Uh, this is a couple of years old. This is from actually 2014. Um, but they actually found in this study that within three years of enrollment, about 30% of undergraduates in either associate's or bachelor's degree programs had changed their major at least one time, and about mm -hmm. 10% had changed it two or more times. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. And Lynn, of course, you're like, yeah, that sounds about yep. right. Um, so I think that's an interesting a thing to think about for parents who might be thinking like, oh, isn't it? And you know, and Lynn, you were kind of saying this in the beginning, like, is it a bad sign when someone decides to be undeclared or changes their major? Does it indicate that they don't know what to do? Um, mm -hmm. But it turns out it's actually somewhat common and yep. yes. it might actually lead a student down a better path. Um, mm -hmm. So Lynn, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you were saying in the earlier segment, you're trying to help people who are undeclared Mm -hmm. And trying to kind of get them to understand, like, okay, well, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And what, mm -hmm. which of those things, you know, might actually be a job out there in the mm -hmm. world? Can you talk a little bit about um, really how this stuff translates to having a job out in the world? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so... <sighs> You know, I want to touch on what Laura had asked me earlier, too, about students who who come in dead set on what they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is all I promise this is all going to come together. <laughs> um, trust but so many students come in saying, you know, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to be a DJ. I'm going to be a sports agent. Um, they pick they pick careers in high school based on things that they see on TV and movies, you know, uh, talk like looking in magazines. So they even read magazines anymore, but, um, you know, they pick quote careers based on what they see, not necessarily what is out there. Um, and then they think like the number of students who I have who have been sport management majors because they want to be, you know, the next Urban Meyer who makes $5 million a year coaching football. <laughs> Show me right? the money. Yeah. <laughs> or just going to say sport management majors who say, I'm going to be an agent. I'm going to be, you know, the next, not Jerry Maguire, they don't understand, but Drew Rosenhaus, right? Who's a, a major sports agent and makes millions of dollars every year. Um, so they come and thinking that they want to do these things. And then, yeah, they take their first economics class, or it's a student who's saying, I'm going to be a I'm going to be an anesthesiologist because they make bank. Mm -hmm. And I was always good at science. And then they take <laughs> intro chemistry oh, or they take organic chemistry or they take calculus and they are struggling through the entire semester. Right. And what is difficult in talking sometimes with these students is I say to them, hey, like I, I, at a school that I worked at, roughly once upon a time, roughly half of our population came in every year wanting to be doctors. Mm. And I joked all the time that I was the dream crusher yeah. because my job was talking to students who were going to fail chem, yeah. intro chem. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't going to be able to be pre-med. And I would talk to, I, I'm not joking when I say maybe 100 students a semester about how they weren't going to be able to go to medical school. Yeah. And they would 
this, this is what I've dreamed of my whole life, or this is what my parents really want me to do, or mm-hmm. what else am I getting? They don't know what else to do because it's all this. And then I say, hey, look, I'm looking at your communication classes, or I'm looking at your business classes, and you're getting A's in those, but you're getting F's in your in your natural sciences classes. Why don't we think about maybe moving you towards the social sciences or moving you towards the humanities? Well, that's not a job. How am mm. I ever going to get a job? Right. If I if I major in English, heaven forbid, or if I major in psychology or philosophy. Um, and that's when I really try to explain to students and parents um, there is a there's an organization, the National Association for Colleges and Employers. Yep. Um, so it's colleges and major employers that every year they get together and they come up with this list of um, what skills are employers looking for. And and, and I, I, I want mean, you to stress that word skills again because yeah. it's not your major. A yep. skill no. is not your major. Okay. No. So if you if you just Google you know NACE N A C E top skills um, mm-hmm. you'll get a bunch of hits on it, and the top skills that employers are looking for are written communication, problem solving skills, ability to work in a team, initiative, quantitative skills, strong work ethic, verbal communication skills. You'll notice. Uh, If we look at technical skills, which is what is actually needed to do a job, that is way down on the list. And typically, employers want you to learn their technical skills. Yes. Because if I go work for one one company, they want to know that they're telling me how to do my job. Yep. Not the way your intro to fill-in-the-blank industry wants you to do your job. So Mm -hmm. they're going to teach you those technical skills Mm -hmm. there in your onboarding and as you're you're learning the job. Uh, So that's really great. They don't have the time to teach you how to write a report. No, they don't have the time to teach you problem solving. You know, that's not that's not what they're there to do. They want people coming in with those skills and. You can learn those skills in any major. Right. So when students who have been dead set on studying one particular thing because of one particular job they wanted to have, I bring this list up with them. Mm -hmm. And I say, like, what's important is that you find a major that you're good at and you're excited about. And then let's get you some experiential learning. Right. Let's get you some internships. Let's get you involved with some clubs on campus. Let's have you informational interviewing with people. I mean, when I think about how I got started in higher ed, it was because I was a tour guide for um, admissions at SUNY Fredonia, where I did my undergrad. And I was just, it was my work study job. And one of the, um, it was my senior year. And one of the admissions counselors said, Hey, what are you going to do next year? And I said, Oh God, I don't want to talk about it. I have no idea. And she goes, you know, I really think you have a knack for like higher ed. I think you should think about that. Yep. And that's I, how many of I us had no idea that that was a this. job. Wonderful field that no one knew even existed until you were in college. (laughs) It's true. And so when I have students who are super stressed out too, like, well, wait a second, if I'm not going to be an accountant, what could I possibly be? I say, look around this room because every single thing that you see is a job. Yep. You look at the books on my shelves. Someone had to write them. Someone had to edit them. Someone had to publish them. Someone had to ship them, order them. Like every single thing that you see is a job. There's a million jobs out there. You need to find something now Mm -hmm. in college that you're excited about and that you're good at. 
It's that had, muscle memory of thinking and engaging and mm. being able to communicate about the things you love. You know, when people talk about college is the best four years of your life, it I think we get lies. This, it's a lie. Um, <laughs> but it's lies. Well, I have a but, theory that the best four years of your life are from when you're uh, 24 to 28. Yeah. Well, oh, I, oh, I don't. I, that's right. a whole Clearly, your dating life was much better from twenty four to twenty eight than mine, oh, mine was. Mine was great. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> good. So, for, get it, girl. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, mine was not. Um, okay. So that being said, because <laughs> that's a different podcast entirely. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're really thinking about when I think about the fact that for the best four years of what made college a great four years, I'm not going to say it was the best four years, but one of the things you have in college that you do not have at any other point in your life is that you have the opportunity to fully immerse yourself with some, some pursuit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that academic pursuit. Now, all of us on this podcast know that it's very different today than it was 15, 20 years ago because of the yep. financial impacts that are ongoing right now. And students mm-hmm. have to have jobs and some of them have more than one job. Um, and that's a lot. And that's a very yep. disappointing reality. However, mm-hmm. when you are in a classroom environment, that amount of time that you are spending to get yourself, you know, financially secure enough to get through that major to get through that time in school at the very least you want to make sure that that time in your classroom is spent on something you feel passionately about and is and is engaging you and is exercising that brain muscle is exercising Mm -hmm. that that love of inquiry that idea of i want to i want someone who's going to challenge me there's a point Mm -hmm. into which that challenge can also turn into failure um, and how someone responds to that. Uh, I think we've, we've had some time to touch on that um, and realize that how you talk to your kid after they fail that first test, which may happen, not all kids are going to fail, yeah. but many of them will. Um, yep. And how they rebound from that is going to be that idea of are you failing because it's too much or are you failing because you're not interested? There's different yep. reasons for failure. Um, we're going to come up on a break. And when we come back, um, I want to visit the role of the academic advisor. And yeah. uh, we will be right back from the break with Lynn Lekowski. Hi, everybody. I'm Chami DePerel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show go to pod617.com to start planning and in the meantime listen to the great shows they've already produced the irreverent bitchless bride podcast the hilarious show known as shawshanked and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. be part of the pod revolution visit pod617.com in pod we trust 
All right, so uh, we're back with Lynn Zlatkowski and uh, want to spend a little bit of time on the role of the advisor. Um, some of your kids may have a faculty advisor. Some of them may have a what we call professional advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynn, talk to us about the differences that might be out there about advising structures and what are the what what is the really the role of an advisor on a college campus? Yeah, so it it completely depends on where the kid goes to school. Honestly, Um, when you have, let's say, a smaller um, private liberal arts institution, whether they have a faculty advisor who is a full time faculty member, meaning they're teaching, you know, two, three, four classes a semester, they're doing committee work, they have a caseload anywhere from, you know, usually 20 to 40 uh, student advisees. So whereas professional advisors are people who their their whole professional life is dedicated to advising and working with students and it's around academic issues, but it's also around course planning and experiential learning mm-hmm. and helping students kind of find their path. Yeah. And it's, you know, I will use Southern New Hampshire as an example. On campus, we have um, about 3,200 undergraduate students and our first year students have professional advisors mm. because we know that first year students need a little bit more attention. Yep. Um, and then once they get past that first year, then they have a faculty advisor who no fault of the faculty, but they just don't have as much time yeah. uh, to dedicate to their student advisees. But then if you're at a giant university, so for example, when in my undergraduate, it wasn't giant by any means. We had about 7,000 undergraduates. Um, I had a faculty advisor the whole time. Saw my faculty advisor uh, usually like first week of the semester to like say hey and check in, but that was because I was pretty driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would see him for my registration and then that was it. Yep. Um, and then if you're at a place that's even bigger, you know, a, a 40,000, 50,000 student campus, um, you know, it it just kind of depends. The faculty just have a lot on their plates. Um, so I'm a little biased because I like places that have professional advisors because I think they can spend a little bit more time mm-hmm. with students. However, all of that, no matter who it is, it doesn't matter if the student doesn't go to see their advisor. There you, you go. Know? That's so such a good point. Even yeah, if we have point. professional advisors whose whole job is is working with students, if a student doesn't walk through the door, there's nothing they can do. Right. So I, if I was the parent of a college student, um, I would be pushing my kid. And my mom did this to me um, because she really wanted me out in four years. But I would be pushing my kid to, have you gone to see your advisor? Are you on track for graduation? Are you having any issues academically that they can help you out with? Um, And really making sure that they're checking in with their advisor because that is someone who's dedicated to your kid's success. They really are. Um, Whether they're a faculty member or, or a staff member. Right. Now, if you, you talk about that track, institutions have, you know, academic plans, things Mm -hmm. of that nature. Is there a a method that you would say to a parent, look, you know, you're not going to necessarily tell your kid what they have to register for, but is there some way to almost audit, do a self-audit of your kid's progress? Um, (laughs) uh, I would make sure that your kid knows how to access their college catalog. Uh, Every college has one. It's uh, basically a a contract between the institution and your kid that, okay, if you do these things, you're going to, you're going to graduate on time. So here's your general education requirements, you know, your humanities requirements, writing, et cetera, major requirements. Um, And your kid can just, 
when they come home after a semester and they get their grades, be like, all right, let's bring up the college catalog. They're all online, mm. like no matter what school it is. Um, bring up the college catalog. Okay, what do you need to graduate? What'd you take this semester? Check, 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 check. Okay, you're you're well on your way. Yeah. Um, but I that's I mean, I think another kind of pro for for colleges that have professional advisors is that they tend to know the entire curriculum um, and they're really good at navigating the curriculum, whereas sometimes with faculty advisors, they really only know their own major. Yes. Um, and so if you have a student who's kind of thinking about a minor or a double major or wants to switch, um, the faculty might be a little um, befuddled when <laughs> a student talks with them about uh, about switching majors. Um, so I would just say, I mean, go to whatever college your kid goes to, the academic catalog is usually under the registrar's mm-hmm. office page yep. um, and look up the catalog for their year and say, okay, this says in here exactly what you need to take to be able to graduate. How much of this have you taken? Yep. Um, so that's something that you and your student can do together. And, and I like that you made the point earlier, Lynn, that they need to be engaging with the advisor. None mm-hmm. of this is going to work. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, if your student is engaging with their advisor regularly as they should be, which is probably mm-hmm. at least once a semester mm-hmm. for course planning, um, yep. they should not be surprised if they're not on track to graduate or, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it should hopefully be something that's an ongoing conversation yeah. such that, you know, no one gets to like junior year and realizes, whoops, I'm missing yeah. 10 yeah. whole credits or something. And they may end up, if they change their major, um, mm-hmm. this is something that I always advise people is make sure you know what this means in terms of long-term yep. uh, timeline for you to graduate. And yeah. does this mean doing a summer on campus? Does it mean doing yep. some online classes? Some yeah. colleges and universities have a winter session Uh, where it's a condensed period of time, but they can get in one or two classes um, during that period. Um, Really set forth a period of time. Well, I definitely have students come to me. I've had students come to me end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year, and say, I want to completely switch it up. You know, I was sport management, and now I want to be English, right? Like you're talking a school of business versus a a humanities school. And I'd say, okay, like let's print out the, or let's look at the English requirements for an English degree. Let's look at what you've already taken, how many classes you're going to have left and about how many semesters that's going to take. Um, that's an important exercise before a student just, Oh, sorry. Um, before a student decides to, um, change their major saying, okay, how much longer is this going to take? Is it worth it for me to change it too? Because if someone's looking to change their major before their senior year, it's going to tack another year or two onto their education. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, is this something you need to change or can you get your undergrad and whatever you've been working with and maybe look at grad school right. to go to this new field? Or is it something that you even need a diploma in that field? Correct. Um, that's another thing to consider. Sometimes it's not, it's not worth it to, I mean, I had a student who wanted to change their major senior year of college. Um, and I think they, they decided that they wanted to be a paralegal or something like that. So they wanted to change to like pre-law or something crazy. And they had been um, like a business major. And I was like, listen, let's look up what it takes to be a paralegal. Fun fact, 
doesn't matter what your major no. is. <laughs> nope, doesn't, nope. doesn't. <laughs> At all. So I was like, your grades are good. You're doing well in your business courses. You've got, we've got some wiggle room that maybe we can put some, um, some like pre-law courses in there. And then let's find, let's work with the career office to get you hooked up with like an informational interview, maybe an internship. Like mm-hmm. let's start building your resume Correct. Um, so that you can be a paralegal. It doesn't matter what your, what your degree is in. It just matters that you have your degree. Lynn, is there any other situation? I think the point you just made about like, if it's senior year, often it makes sense to finish the degree you've already started and look into other ways. Are there other times that you can think of when you've advised a student not to change their major or just generally that you might say, you know, it's, this is probably not a great, a great reason to, or a great time to do it. I mean, I've had students who wanted to change their major into something that I just, uh, I knew they weren't going to be good at. Um, or like, and I hate to say that, but like I get, as an advisor, you get to know your students really well. And if I had someone who, you know, mucked their way through a a pre-calc class and then in their, you know, let's say sophomore year, not too late, they said, you want to know what? I decided that I want to be a math major so I can be an actuary. This actually happened to me. I had a student who wanted to be an actuary and I was like, you barely (laughs) made it through pre-calc. You think you're going to make it through linear algebra? Come on, man, that's not going to happen. Like I get it that actuaries make a lot of money, but I don't think that this is the right path for you. And that is a blunt conversation that I could have with a student because I knew them. I knew their background. They knew I was committed to their success. And we worked it out and that that student uh, is now, she ended up majoring in econ uh, and she's the CEO of a hospital. Wow. Well, um, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. And her, her first her first semester, I got to know her because her first semester, she had a 1.3 GPA. Oh. Um, because she was taking classes that weren't a good fit for her academically. Um, but once we got her on a different path and something that she was actually good at, and then she ended up going to grad school and, uh, and yeah, now she's, she's the CEO of hospital and she's a big old muckety muck. Well, that's pretty awesome. And that's pretty awesome. And (laughs) you are pretty awesome. Lynn Zlotkowski. Thanks guys. I have a really great story that I want to work in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have a million of them. I know you do. (laughs) That's why you're um, here. (laughs) This one dude who I worked with, who I love, who he's a doctor now. He's actually a pediatric oncologist. God bless him. Um, (laughs) And when he was an undergrad, he was a music major uh, and his minor was biochemistry. And he, I asked him about it one time and I was like, how are you a music major? And he was like, I love science. I'm great at science. I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life. When else am I going to get to study music all the time? Oh, I'm going to get to do science for the rest of my life. I don't have to do it now. That's true. And so, you know, he worked with his advisor to take the classes he needed to get into med school, which were no problem for him. And he had one of the most interesting senior comps that I've ever seen. He like took a like blood sample from a kid with cancer and like used the, I don't even know what it was, but he basically set it to music. It was amazing. Okay. It was amazing. I don't even know how that works. I, I don't. I didn't understand a lot of what my students at Allegheny did. They were too smart for me. Oh, I resemble that remark I, currently. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, now turn it over to Beth to tell people how they can find us. Uh, and well, actually, Lynn, is, would you like to tell people how to find you? 
Oh, I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome to look me up on the Southern New Hampshire University website, snhu.edu. I'm also on LinkedIn and all social media. Um, happy to answer questions of anyone who have academic questions awesome. regarding higher education. Cool. I could tell people how to find you guys because I know how to find you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's well, classified. That's going to let you explore how to find us. So, uh, so uh, you can find TwinXL on social media. We are on Facebook. We are also on Twitter at TwinXLPod. Um, you can email us at TwinXLPod at gmail.com. And you can also sponsor us on Patreon, patreon.com slash slash TwinXL podcast. And you can uh, support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month if you would like to do that. Um, and this is a production of Pod 617. We want to thank Lynn Zlotkowski for being our guest today and thank Dave yeah. Yaz, our producer. Woo! And uh, thanks to you all for listening. Was that it? Am I supposed to say anything? Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is there music playing?